I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week continues our four-week teaching series, Greener Grass, where we look into why we're always desiring more stuff. More stuff isn't always better, and God defines wealth and greatness a lot different than the world does. So join us as we see why the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So we began a new series last week called The Greener Grass Conspiracy. And it's based on the phrase, the belief, or the concept that the grass is always greener. Always greener. Not just some of the time or (laughs) most of the time, but the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. To break it down, greener grass means better grass, maybe even perfect grass, and we all want better, we all want perfect. Ultimately, the greener grass conspiracy is about the drive for perfect in our own lives and putting that vibe off to others that everything around me and in me is perfect. I'm perfect. My stuff is perfect. My money is perfect. My kids are perfect. My spouse is even perfect. But here's the problem. When we drive for perfect, we're actually chasing something that's not real. We're running after something that isn't possible. It doesn't actually exist. Last week when we started this, we asked the question, is there any area in my life where I search for greener grass? Is there any area in my life where I kind of peek over the fence and I desire to have something that is not presently a part of my life? Do I do that at all? Is there any area in life at all where I search for greener grass. And see, this isn't just about stuff and possessions. It's much deeper than that. It's much more intense than that because greener grass could also be someone else's success or their station of life or their creativity or their career or even their happiness. And we want that. We desire that. So much so that we actually begin to do some crazy things in our lives. I want to tell you about some of my greener grass issues because these are things that I struggle with as well. For all of my life, I have always wanted to be a piano player. Seriously, is there anything better than being able to sit down at a piano and Rocket man, burning Is there anything better than that? You guys are feeling it, aren't you? I've got some more tunes. Really, is there anything better than being able to play the piano? And I think we all dream about what heaven is going to be like. And I have this dream, this picture, that I'm going to sit at a huge grand piano and I'm just going to take requests from people for eternity. What is it that you want to hear? I've got it right here. I mean, that would be amazing. 
Several years ago, I picked up the guitar, and I really enjoy playing the guitar. It's a lot of fun. It's cool. And no offense to the guys on the stage, but it's just not as cool as being able to play the piano. There is nothing better than that. Greener grass. What is it that you kind of peek over the fence at and desire and want? During this series, we're trying to focus in on four unique areas where we drive for perfect. Last week, we talked about perfect me. And we said, forget about it, because perfect me doesn't exist. Perfect me is not real. And instead of chasing a perfect me, we need to attach ourselves to a perfect God, because he is real, and he does exist, and we can do that. So forget about perfect me. Today, we're going to talk about perfect stuff. Next week, we're going to talk about perfect kids, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. And then we wrap all of this up on the 22nd with a guest teacher who will be talking about the perfect spouse. So, today, perfect stuff. What does the drive for perfect stuff look like? Well, it might just look like this. Check this out. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? It's like a museum. Uh Uh-huh. Look around. So what's the big surprise? You didn't rent this for the weekend, did you? Think bigger. For the week? This place is a perk, Kate. A perk? Mm-hmm. For what? A company called P.K. Lassiter Investment House uses it to attract new executives. I'm going into arbitrage, honey. It turns out I have a knack for it. Jack, what are you talking about? I'll be making twice what I make now, plus a hefty bonus, and that's just a start. And we can live in this apartment practically rent-free until we find a place of our own. Are you out of your mind? I don't think so. This is going to be a better life for all of us. We could put Annie and Josh into private schools. Annie goes to a great school, Jack. I'm talking about the best schools in the country here, Kate. Jack, what could you possibly be thinking about? What about my, what about my job? Well, I mean, this is New York City. It's like the needy people capital of the world. Your Jersey clients aren't a tenth as pathetic as the ones you could find here. <laughs> I, I, I can't even believe you're talking about moving back into the city, Jack. I thought the reason that we left was because we didn't want to raise the kids here. No. No, this is the center of the universe. If I were living in Roman times, I would live in Rome. Where else? And today, America is the Roman Empire. New York is Rome itself. John Lennon. Jack. Listen, okay, okay, you know something? I'm detecting, like, a funky tension here, and this was supposed to be a happy day. So guess what? I don't need this. We don't have to live here. Forget it. I'll I'll commute. I'll drive to work. (gasps) In traffic, Jack, it's over an hour each way. That's, like, three hours every day. When are you ever going to see the kids? Kate, you're not understanding me. I'm talking about a perfect life, a great life. Everything we pictured when we were young, the whole package. 
You said so yourself. Life has thrown us a few surprises, so we made sacrifices. Well, guess what? Now I can finally get us back on track. I can do that, Kate. I want to do that. I, I need to do that as a man for all of us. Please just think about this for one second. No more lousy restaurants. No more clipping coupons. No more shoveling snow. Don't go get a new career without even telling me about it. And don't, don't take Annie out of a school that she loves and don't move us out of a house we've become a family in. You're, you're... Don't you see, I'm talking about us finally having a life that other people envy. Oh, Jack. They already do envy us. And let's just say that the drive for the perfect kind of life can be very consuming for all of us, the desire to have the kind of life that other people envy. But let's just be honest with ourselves. We like good stuff. We like perfect types of things. I love perfect things. I actually made a list of some of the perfect stuff that I like and that I want in life. And so I'm going to share a portion of my list with you. This is my perfect list. I want perfect carpet. I've got six kids, and my carpet is not perfect anymore. And I want perfect carpet. I want perfect clothes and perfect cars. I want perfect Kohler toilets. And we could talk about that for a long time. I want perfect TVs. See, I want all of this stuff And I want it to be perfect. And sometimes we take all of this in and we actually convince ourselves that happiness can be found on aisle 13 in Best Buy. And if I could just get that, well, then my life will be better, maybe even perfect. But here's the problem. It's not true. True happiness cannot be found on aisle 13 at Best Buy. I actually went to Best Buy last night to see what was in aisle 13. And there is no aisle 13 at Best Buy. It doesn't exist. They don't even have numbers. So true happiness cannot be found on aisle 13 at Best Buy. True happiness cannot be found with having great bathroom fixtures, as important as that is. And true happiness cannot be found in the consumption of things. Here's our big idea for today. Perfect stuff, forget about it. How about a perfect detachment from things? How about that? We had a visiting family from New York City last week. And after I talked about perfect me and forget about that because it's not real, the guy from New York City came up to me and he said, Pasta. If you're going to say forget about it, you got to say it the right way. you got to slur it together. I said, all right, I'll give it a try next week. So here's my best shot. Perfect stuff, forget about it. How about a perfect detachment from things? 
The paragraph that we're going to unpack today is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it's written by a guy named Paul to somebody that he was mentoring named Timothy. And he was kind of a coach for him, and they had this great tight relationship. And Timothy probably struggled with many of the same things that we struggle with. And so Paul begins to write to him just to perk him up a bit. And based on what Paul's written here, we get some principles that will help all of us overcome the addiction to stuff. So no matter where you're at today, if you really struggle with being addicted to more and better and perfect and greener grass and looking on the other side of the fence, this is for you. If that's not that big of a deal to you, then here are some principles to help you avoid that at any station in life. Here's principle number one. Get a real perspective on wealth. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, says this. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Again, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Paul's writing to Timothy here and he's trying to help him remember that real gain, true gain, is the acquisition of godliness which is attached to contentment. Now let's just think about this word wealth for a minute. If somebody actually came up to you and asked you to define that word, what do you think you'd say? How would you respond? See, it's quite natural and normal for us to define wealth this way. See if this is true. It's about money. It's about stuff. It's about things. And if we have a decent amount of that... Cash, things, possessions, then we are probably a wealthy individual. But if we kind of lack in this department, if we're a little challenged there, then we're probably not wealthy. But here's what's really fascinating about Scripture when you begin to read and when you begin to study, you discover that Scripture never defines wealth that way. Not at all. Not even close. As a matter of fact, this is the way that Scripture defines wealth. It's contentment. Contentment that is attached to godliness. And when you find an individual who actually is content, and they have attached themselves to a godly lifestyle, that person is considered wealthy. It's interesting that wealth is not defined by an amount of money. It's not defined by the accumulation of things. It's not defined by the stuff that we have and we enjoy. It's defined with this word right here, contentment, that is attached to godliness. And it's very possible that a person who has little of this, but they're content, and they act in a godly way, 
that they have more wealth than a person who has a lot of cash and a lot of things. So let's just think about this for a moment because it's kind of interesting. Scripture is always flipping things on us and saying the opposite of how we act and how we often think. So let's just think about our stuff for a moment because there are a couple of things here that God wants us to get with this whole contentment thing. Here's what makes contentment possible. And I don't share this from the standpoint of doing this the right way. I don't always consider myself to be a very content person because I want and I like perfect things. But I'm on this journey trying to get content because I believe this is what God wants for me and it's what God wants for you. And so if we're going to pull that off, here's what it takes. At some point, I have to get that everything I have and everything I own is all from God. See, sometimes we begin to think, this is what I've done, and this is what I've accomplished, and this is what I have. And we've got to kind of dismiss that from our mind at some point if we're going to be content, because it's all from God. It's all God. Everything. I think we also have to get that we are not entitled to our stuff, but we are entrusted with it. And there's a big difference between those two words, entitled and entrusted. See, God has given us all of our stuff, and he's entrusted it to us for a moment and for a time. I want you to listen to what Moses, back in the Old Testament, actually shared with his people as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. And it was good land. They were going to have a great time in there and it was going to be their home and they were going to enjoy that and it was going to be wonderful inside the promised land. And Moses kind of could see what was potentially going to happen with that. And so he shares some things with his people. And I read this this week and it was just kind of shocking. Here's what Moses said. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten your fill, Be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, When your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, well, I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. See, it's all God. And this is kind of unique because you can almost picture Moses saying, all right, we're going to have a little talk here and I'm going to pull up a chair. And you're my family 
and we need to talk about something because we're going to get really successful here. And God's going to give us a lot of stuff. We're actually going to have our own land. We're not going to be slaves anymore. We're going to be free, and we're going to get to build homes, and they're going to be fine homes. I mean, they're going to be fantastic. And our herds are going to get really, really big, and we're going to have a lot of silver, and we're going to have a lot of gold, and we're going to look around, and then we're going to forget God. It's what we're going to do. We're going to become radically successful, and then we will forget all about God. And Moses said, we can't do that. We can't allow that to happen. And the way we don't allow that to happen is when we get a real perspective on wealth. It's not about things. It's not about an amount. It's about contentment. Contentment that is attached to godliness. That is the real definition of wealth. Here's principle number two. Set reasonable boundaries. Set reasonable boundaries. Verse 8 says, So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. (laughs) It's not a lot of stuff, right? I mean, think about it. If we have enough food and clothing and there's really nothing else there, let us be content. Seems a little hard. Have you ever heard the phrase, that two can live as cheap as one. Ever heard that phrase? Well, in light of current economic challenges, they've actually adjusted that a bit to say, two can live as cheap as one as long as one goes without food, clothing, and shelter. (laughs) So it's kind of a hard thing, right? And how do you process this? I mean, what does this mean? Are we supposed to feel bad about the stuff that we have if we have more than food and clothing? And I think most of us are there. So are we supposed to feel bad about that? No, it's not the case at all. This is a simple reminder not to get attached to things. And God reminds us of this because here's what we tend to do. We tend to think that if we get all of the right stuff, then we will have arrived, and we will have arrived on the scenario that we built. Again, and this is about what I've done. There's just two problems with that. Here's problem number one. What if you fall short? I mean, what if you set all of these amazing goals and you go for it and it just doesn't happen for you and you don't get all of that and you become dissatisfied and live a something less kind of life and get really bitter about the other side of the fence? Fall short. Here's the other problem. What if you make it? I mean, what if you arrive and you get that pot of gold and then you get kind of bored with it and you chase another pot of gold and greener grass and another pot of gold and greener grass and another pot of gold and that kind of seems like a pathetic way to live with the short amount of time that we have to make a difference with our lives. So the challenge here is to set reasonable boundaries. What is it that you really need? We live in a modern world. 
It's a world that's different than Paul's day where he says, if you've got enough food and clothing, let us be content. So it's kind of a different world for us, but we still have to set reasonable boundaries. At some point, we have to ask the question, where do we draw the line on more perfect stuff? I think a lot of people are trying to figure this out as we continue to walk through a pretty sluggish economy. Actually looked at a Time magazine a few months ago that talked about the different ways that Americans are now spending. And it was pretty fascinating because it unpacked all of the ways that we are not spending and the different things that aren't being purchased anymore. And it was a huge list. But there are a few areas that have actually increased in spending, like cell phones, cable television, internet services, and lipstick. I kid you not. This is Time Magazine. And so all these connectivity things are going up in cost, and people are spending a lot of money to make sure that we can communicate with each other. And the other thing that's gone up? Lipstick. And there's actually this thing called the Lipstick Index. There's people who track this. And currently, lipstick is up 14%. And the reason it's up in a bad economy is because it's seen as an affordable luxury. And so people look at this, and they study it, and they say, it's going to continue. Economic crisis is still here because everybody's buying a lot of lipstick. So let's just have some fun with this. If we were to tweak this verse a little bit and spin it into our modern setting, it might sound like this. If we have enough food, clothing, shelter, connectivity, and lipstick, yeah, let us be content there. I think the challenge here is you've got to set reasonable boundaries. That's going to be different for everybody, but you've got to chase that, and this frees us from being consumed with more perfect stuff. Here's principle number three. Target productive passions. Verse nine. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. You see that word fall there? Shake your head so I know you're with me. You see that? Yeah, it actually means to fall into the power of something or to fall under the power of something. So people who long to be rich, they fall under or into the power of temptation and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. You see that word plunge? It means to sink. It means to fall fast and it's not good. So people who desire to be rich, they actually place themselves into and under temptation and it makes them fall very fast. This is all the language of addiction. And if you've ever walked through an addiction, you know that it places you under the power of something and you begin to fall and you can't get out of that thing. It just has a hold on you. So people who long to be rich, this is what happens to them. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice that it's the love of money, not money itself. Money itself is not a problem. 
You can have a person who has a lot of money, and if they don't love it, that's just a wonderful thing, a great tool that we're entrusted with. Sometimes, though, people have no money, and they love it, and that throws them into this, and it's an addiction. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So see, the challenge here is to target productive passions. Get away from the addictive stuff that throws you into and under temptation and makes you plunge and fall fast. Get away from those types of passions. Pursue productive passions. What is that? It's contentment. Contentment. It's contentment. Attached to godliness is great wealth. So let me share some takeaways with us as we walk out of here and think about the greener grass conspiracy and being content and happy with the things that we have and not always desiring what we don't have. So here's takeaway number one. Break perfect with generosity. I mean, if perfect is what you think about and what you dream about all of the time, the way we break perfect and trying to put off this vibe that we've got everything together is we just take a run at generosity. And what does that even look like? What does that mean? How do you actually run after generosity? I think you've got to figure out where God's heart goes. And what does God get really generous with? And when you walk through Scripture, you discover that God's heart gets really generous for those who are lost, and for those who don't know anything about Him, and for those who have turned their back on Him. And there's nothing that God won't do to go after those people who are far from Him and help them understand that He has an amazing purpose for their life, and He's got a gift for them of a forever friendship. And he goes after people all of the time. And he gets really generous with lost people. That's why here at Valley Point, we talk about trusting in Christ alone all of the time. And we invite people to do that. To experience the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers. And the reason he offers that is because he's a generous God. And we have to continue to do everything we can as a faith community to sync up with God's generous heart, which really goes out to people who don't know him yet. This past Christmas Eve, there was a group of people here from Valley Point. And without being prompted, without being asked to do this, they just got together and they made a bunch of lunches. And on that morning, before they started all of their holiday stuff, they went to downtown Wilmington and just began the process of handing out food to people who have real need. And that makes me so proud as a pastor. And I think God loves that kind of stuff. And we just grassroots, just get up and start being generous and helping people in practical ways understand that there is a God who actually cares about them. And we can do that with lunches. And we can do that with a smile. And we can do that with the words that we speak. And one of the ways that we break perfect and this addiction that we have to stuff 
is we just take a run at generosity and God's heart is really generous for those who don't know anything about him. And we need more and more people and more and more groups just going out and finding people and helping them understand that God actually cares about them. Here's one of the other areas where God's heart gets really generous. It's to the vulnerable, the weak, the poor, those who aren't really able to help themselves, those that have been marginalized and kind of pushed to the edge of society. God gets really generous with them. Last week, I talked to you guys a little bit about our Christmas initiative where we said we want to just give some money to orphans and the poor and to help those who really can't afford a great education, experience that. And so we set this goal of raising $25,000. And I thought it was a pretty big goal, a little worried that we might not be able to make that. But as of late last week, I checked, and we're actually a little over $31,000 toward our goal. Can we just thank God for that? It's really an incredible thing. We exceeded our goal by 24% so far. And I'm not a financial wizard, but in this economy, whenever you exceed something financially by 24%, that is a really, really good thing. And again, I think God loves what we've done and he's happy with that as we have desired to reach out to those who are vulnerable and weak and poor and might not be able to help themselves. And we're going to have a great time handing that money out and watching God bless that in the lives of the vulnerable. And we need more and more of this because if we really want to break the addiction to perfect, it starts when we take a run at generosity. Here's takeaway number two. Keeping up with the Kardashians is overrated. I mean, it is. And in God's eyes, they're not that wealthy. They're really not. More, better, perfect. These are often words that we throw out when it comes to our stuff. And I think God wants us to think in a different way about how we define wealth. It's about contentment that's attached to godliness. You know, one of the things that I've always wanted to be a part of is a faith community, a church that really couldn't be explained. Like, what are are those people about? And what's happening over there? And why are so many people trusting Christ? And why are so many people getting baptized? And why are they giving away so much money to those who really have great needs? I've always wanted to be part of something like that. And I really believe that that is beginning to happen here at Valley Point Church. This is a great thing. And this is a great place. And we'll be able to see more and more of that. We'll be able to step back and say, I don't get it. 
I don't know what God is doing here. And it can't be explained because we're not that smart, we're not that rich, and we're not that good. But God is doing something. And I believe that all starts when we make the choice to get generous. Perfect stuff, forget about it. How about a perfect detachment from things? That's wealth. Father, we are so thankful for a few moments just to look at what you have to say about wealth and generosity and contentment. God, so often we get these things mixed up. We like stuff. We want nice things. There's nothing really wrong with that. But when that's all we want, and when that becomes our whole focus, God, I believe you want to shake us up a bit and help us to think in a different way about our stuff. So God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us in this room to think about contentment and attaching godliness to that because that's wealth. That's wealth. And even if we don't have a lot of money and even if we don't have a lot of stuff, you see us as wealthy because of our contentment and our godliness. So God, I pray that you'd help us to stop always looking on the other side of the fence because it's not really greener there. The best place to be is with you by your side, generously serving others. God, I pray that you just continue to speak to us, help us, challenge us, we do pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.